on this episode of the Make Ideas Reality podcast. I also I... liked your pronunciation of my last name. It was completely wrong, but I liked it. And well, with this assembly, I mean more like destroying and try to see what's inside. It just doesn't look nice. If some Arduino does some job, then you press a button and some, somewhere else something happens and in between, well, nobody knows what happens. Mm. But if I pull a lever and two gears turn and then something happens somewhere, it looks interesting. Yeah, that I realized is I was doing the project so quick. So I was designing it on the computer, then I build it, like go, go, go. Then it was done, I made some nice shots and then I put it away and started it all over again. And right now I can just take my time with the build, enjoy the actual building process, which is super important if you want to do this for fun. Hello and welcome to Make Ideas Reality, the podcast. This is a podcast dedicated to everyday creative heroes making their ideas reality that wouldn't necessarily get their story heard. I hope to inspire you with their stories, give you courage to leave your comfort zone, think big, and be the badass creator you were meant to be. I'm Justin White, aka The Garage Avenger. Let's do this! Hello and welcome to the Make Ideas Reality Podcast. Today's guest is a crazy talented Dutchman with brilliant ideas. His chicken pusher machine had me completely in tears. With a little workshop nestled in Amsterdam suburbs that's no bigger than a couple of cupboards. Welcome to uh, the show, the practical engineer, Emil Nulambert. Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> did, uh, did you like that half Dutch, half Norwegian welcome? Yes, I, I liked it. <laughs> I also I, liked your pronunciation of my last name. It was completely wrong, but I liked it. Oh, no, really? <laughs> yeah. I, I, okay, you need to tell, you need to say it in Dutch now. It's Norlander. Norlander? Yes. Huh. It's double O though, yeah? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Because, yeah, I just went straight to English and went Norlander. <laughs> 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 I, I, I I apologize. It sounds cooler, I think, actually, than Norlander. Yeah, yeah it, it was a good, cool pronunciation. <laughs> uh, so, guys, um, the practical engineer, Emil, uh, I saw him, what was it? Jeez, it was about over a year ago, probably nearly a year and a half, two years ago. And he had this project uh, which popped up on my feed of this umbrella backpack. And I, I watched this video and I thought, oh, this is a brilliant idea. Like, how does, how did this video not go mental viral? Because this is awesome idea. Um, and basically, it was a backpack which you pulled like a, a pull string, kind of like a, um, like a parachute, and there was a spring mechanism. Flipped a uh, umbrella up and over your head and popped up, and it was just awesome and mind blowing. So I've been following Emil from that point on. And, you know, I watched a couple of projects and then I started talking to Tyler Bell and Tyler Bell has been spending some time with Emil at, was it WorkbenchCon you guys were at? Yeah. Yeah. 
and we met online just after Make It Central. Yeah. And then we really met at WorkbenchCon last year or this year. So that was great. And and I sort of got me like more interested again. I was like, oh, I need to get back into some of his work. So, and then I, you know, basically I've been watching over the last year and you've grown heaps because I think you were under, under 50,000 subscribers or something when I first started watching and now you're over a hundred thousand. So congratulations to you. Thank you. Um, I, um, I want to start off uh, this podcast as we always sort of do and, and talk a little bit about your journey, um, how you got into making things and making YouTube videos and some of the big moments along the way. Yeah, well, it goes back to when I was a little kid and I've always been interested in how things around me work. So as a kid, I was often trying to uh, disassemble machines, old video recorders and well, radios, everything else I could get my hands on. And well, with this assembly, I mean more like destroying and try to see what's inside. And I have attempted to put those things back together once or twice, but usually the disassembly process made it uh, too definitive. <laughs> but I always ended up with some nice and interesting parts that came from the inside, some gears or yeah, other things, motors stuff I had no idea what to do with, but they looked cool. And, but I was not really making it at the time. Then when I got older and older, I still wondered how the things around me work. And at some point I started my engineering course, still didn't make a lot of things. And then during my course, they tried to teach us how to make stuff from a book and from a PowerPoint presentation, <laughs> which all seemed really weird to me. Yeah, weird. Yeah. So, I, yeah, during my studies, I started to teach myself some things. We uh, got some basics of 3D modeling. And the day after that course, I downloaded the software, started to teach myself more 3D modeling. And I modeled a gyro watch winder that I had seen online. But I had no tools. So I went back to the closed university. I used a laser cutter to cut out my 3D modeled watch finder and assembled it all on the floor of my student room hmm. with still like by that time 20 years of tools, just the basics that I needed for this project. And that's what got me started with things building basically. During that project, I realized that I learned way more about 3D modeling and making stuff, laser cutters, than I had during my whole studies up to that moment. Because you have something in your mind and then you need to figure out how to actually model that or how to make that. And yeah, this was the moment that I realized, well, learning from a book is kind of pointless with this kind of stuff. And from down, I just expanded and made my project a bit bigger and yeah, learn more and more. But you you work with like basically doing the same thing, right? Your day job. I work. Uh, yeah, right now I do. I uh, back then I didn't. Right now I work as a mechanical engineer for a company where we make a lot of prototypes. So well, mainly prototypes, basically. So the customer has a vague idea, and we turn that into a product by uh, building something and testing it. And that's very similar. We have the very similar mindset as I have on my channel right there, 
we just design something and then build it, see if it works, if it doesn't work, and then redesign and iterate. We don't calculate a whole lot. Well, we do when necessary, but we prefer to just, yeah, see from experience. Isn't that interesting? Because I, I would think most companies are this company that like are adverse to risk. So they would like overcalculate everything you know, and spend all this time on the computer trying to make sure it would work, you know, on the computer first and then go into production. But I think that's kind of refreshing to hear that there's companies still out there that just kind of get their hands dirty just to see if something actually works. It's kind of very similar to the maker mentality, right? Yeah. Well, I studied aeronautical engineering because, well, I liked airplanes. And I was like, oh, aeronautical engineering sounds nice. And then during <laughs> my studies, I realized that everything has to be calculated 10 times, 20 times. If you can make it one gram lighter, well, you should, uh, but not two. And that just drove me crazy. All the, I just want to make stuff. Mm. And yeah, well, at my job, we still design a lot on the computer, but then we build it and test it and we see if it works and or if it doesn't work. So that's, it's fairly close to the maker community mindset. Because there are things you can't really foresee until you've actually built it, right? Yeah, there's a lot of things, especially like the, the user experience, how something handles, how it feels, how it, yeah. You just have to feel it and see see if it works. That's super interesting. I how yeah. So you were just talking like you you're doing this as a job, and then how did you get into making videos at the same time? Was this at the same time you started this job, or was it separate times? Or uh, when I that was during my previous job actually, I was still making stuff at home in my in my free time, and I had a one and a half hour one way commute. So two to three hours on a bad day in total. And I was like, oh, I like making stuff. Maybe I should see if there's some podcasts about making stuff. So I Googled making stuff podcast and I came to making it, which sounded nice. So I downloaded it and then I discovered this whole maker community that's, that exists. And I really liked that concept because if I make something in in my shed and well it works or it doesn't work or it's funny or it's not funny i'm the only one who either enjoys it or learns from it or yeah i'm the only one maybe my girlfriend and my parents will see it but that that's it mm. and well with this online video concept i discovered that if i make something and i learn something from it and i share it online other people can learn from it as well and hopefully they will be inspired to do their own project and learn from those projects. So it really multiplies fast that way. Yeah, because you're by doing that, you're spreading the the joy that you have building it to others. And I think that's uh, that's really valuable. As a yeah. you know, you, you've been working how long have you had your channel running for? I I uploaded a couple of videos and just every now and then and whenever i had the time and no real thought behind it like four or five and then in august 2018 so close to two years ago now i had 100 subscribers i think at the time i decided um to really go for it 
I don't like to do things halfway. I'd like to go for it or not go for it. <laughs> yeah. So I decided to really go for it and uh, yeah, grow the channel and get some actual views on my videos. So that's almost two years ago. And well, I did some preparation, got a nice name, got a nice logo, and just started making videos every week at that point, which was very tough, but also rewarding. Yeah, so what the making a project every single week, you have to kind of, um, let's say, simplify things a little bit because you can't make a very complicated project in a week, especially if you're working a full-time job and, and you know, all the other things you do in your life, right? So um, what it seems like to me is a lot of your project ideas are really kind of simple and beautiful, um, you know, there's not too much like crazy electronics. There's some motors and things, but they're very simply controlled. Um, you know, simple switches and that sort of stuff is really, it's not overcomplicated, unlike my projects. <laughs> well, they're overcomplicated in a different way. I uh, try to keep electronics as much out of my projects as I can because one, I don't know a whole lot about it and I don't want to admit that. Well, I don't <laughs> want to admit it. And two, uh, it just doesn't look nice. If some Arduino does some job, then you press a button and some, somewhere else something happens and in between, well, nobody knows what happens. Mm. But if I pull a lever and two gears turn and then something happens somewhere, it looks interesting. And especially if you want to challenge yourself, which I want what I want to do, and you want to make a video that looks interesting, then the mechanical solution is often way nicer to look at. I love that aesthetic side of things. I, I didn't really think about it like that. Like it, it is like when you see cogs and gears moving instead of like a, a motor spinning something, it's aesthetically better to look at you know it's pretty simple yeah yeah it's like that mm. so often i look at, at funny mechanisms or stuff like that just to make uh yeah something that needs to happen in a project happen in a nice way yeah like your your geared light right yes up and yeah that that's a great example of that yeah i was just thinking about that one as well mm. with that one i thought how can I complicate a lamp by adding <laughs> some gears and making it look interesting? <laughs> uh, yeah, how can I complicate a lamp? It's so good. And it turned out that, well, you have the saying, turn on the lights, and it has this light, small wheel that you need to turn to move up the light bulb, and then it clicks on. But that was just a nice coincidence. Uh, it's, I think it looks amazing. And I love that simplicity, but also complexity of it. So good. But you don't make furniture and stuff like that. Like I see, this doesn't seem, you're not making coffee tables like, or, you know, things like that. It seems like, is that a, is that a choice or is that a, yeah. Yeah. Well, I've done a little bit of furniture work. I actually did a coffee table very early in the beginnings. But um, yeah, often when people start making, they think about the practical things like a coffee table or a table or chairs or some closet. And to me, they're quite 
boring to build. And yeah, you can make it super interesting with making dovetails using nice wood. And but to me, it's still yeah. If I need a closet, I just go buy a closet. <laughs> and <laughs> I want to have fun in the making process. And for me, things that move and things that do something fun. Yeah, I enjoyed it a whole lot more. Yeah, it's kind of like why I liked making cars. Like I made a couple of kids cars, mm -hmm. um, like um, just soapbox cars and things like that for my kids. And uh, I also made a battery powered Batmobile. Yeah, that's but, um, awesome. But, you know, like those projects, I like them because they're also practical. You know, they, they move and they function. They have a function. They do things. So that I, it's the same with the new project now. I shouldn't call it a new project. It's been going free. It's been going for it's been going for a bit. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's um, that's a, it's the same because you know there's a little. I like the aesthetics of moving things and the engineering side of things. I think that's really fun. Yeah, that's yeah. real nice. I can relate. Yeah, to it. I, I really like what Simone Gears once said about it. She once talked in an interview about that if you make something, it has to work and usually and that gave her the anxiety of building something and she didn't want to feel like that so she said to herself okay what if i design something that's designed not to work properly then i cannot feel like that and i really like that mentality <laughs> that's so good i never because, heard say that yeah because that way you can just enjoy the process and the outcome will be good either way and what is your, actually let's talk about your creative process what how does that how do you get ideas where do you get inspiration from and then how do you make it from uh like the idea through to like the finished product yeah that that really differs how i get the ideas sometimes i'm just talking with with people about some you know weird thing that needs to happen and well, in my mind i make up a machine or but I also have moments where I think of some daily task, like uh, slicing your bread. And then I try to make a machine to think of uh, a machine that removes some of the tasks you need to do by doing it for you in a complicated way. That's <laughs> yeah. how I came with my uh, bread decruster. Yep. Like I have kids, they don't eat the crust. Okay, no. how can I take the crusts off? And then I came with this machine with the handle and you need to pull it. and just to take the crust off, so. A quick question, is, are you using that or is it just tucked away in a, in a cupboard somewhere? Yeah, it's tucked away, it doesn't work <laughs> so well. <laughs> but I had a lot of fun building it and it's a fun little machine and people smile when they see it, so that's a success for me. Yeah, so you, you sort of get inspiration and then you, you get the idea. And do you, do you prototype things? Do you like draw them out? Do you put them through on cardboard and build them or something like yeah. that? Yeah, well, to go back to the, to the process, if I have an idea, usually I think of the steps that need to happen. Like with the decruster, to, to give that example, I need to cut the, the crust off and I need to move it out. So... At that point, I usually go Google similar machines or completely different machines that have some motion that's somewhat related. Mm. There are a lot of those satisfying food machine videos. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, five or seven movements is a great website to get some uh, mechanism info about. Yeah, interesting. 
yeah, there's all sorts of drawings and animated drawings of just mechanisms. It's a really cool website. What was it again? Say, say it again. It's 507 movements. 507. Okay, cool. Or mechanisms, either one of them. But um, so I first think of the, the actions that need to happen. Then I look at mechanisms and then I try to link them. So, okay, what, what nice mechanism can I use to, to perform this action? And when I have that together, I draw everything up in Fusion 360. And yeah, from there on, I make a plan on how I'm going to build it. But usually all my projects are designed 95%. And what happens when they don't work? How's it go from there? Well, it depends on my uh, time schedule and how much I enjoy that. If I have all the time of the world, that's actually when the fun starts. Because then you get to, yeah, to really uh, prototype and show your problem solving skills. But there's also times that I need to finish a project on a Sunday and it's uh, four o'clock. I generally work or make till five and it's four o'clock and it happens not to be working and then it can be really stressful. And, uh, Is that because you set yourself the deadline of you know, producing so many videos and or posting yeah. a certain time? Yeah. Yeah. And when I started, I wanted to do uh, one video every week, and that was a complete project every week. But that, for me, that was, I could not make the projects in a way that I liked them. They were just too, too basic or too easy, or yeah, I couldn't put the effort in that I wanted. Mm. So I moved back to uh, every two weeks. So I had some more time to build and to design my projects, which was better. But now I'm back to once a week and I do even bigger projects, but I split them up over, over several weeks and just yeah, take the viewer in the whole process. So if, it, if something doesn't work, well, great, it doesn't work. Let's see how I'm going to solve it. And there's less of a deadline because it can spread over multiple videos. Yeah. And so that you've learned that you can't really fit in that that one week time frame is pretty much not really what you want to do. Um, well, I, yeah, not one project a week because no. I like to do the, the big projects. They are way more interesting. Another thing that I mentioned that I, yeah, that I realized is I was doing the project so quick. So I was designing it on the computer. Then I build it like go, go, go. Then it was done. I made some nice shots and then I put it away and started it all over again. And right now, I can just take my time with the build, enjoy the actual building process, which is super important if you want to do this for fun. Yeah. And um, yeah, make it in a way that I enjoy it. Um, last week I had uh, Brothers Make on, uh, Matt and Johnny, and they were talking about uh, the what they do is they, they go up to Google Trends and they uh research like diy for example trends in diy and then they'll they'll find like the trends that are happening in diy and then they'll perhaps steer a project towards one of those trends and try and make their own take on it um is that something you do with your projects at all do you look at what's popular or what or do you just just do your own thing uh, mainly the last i 
for me, the most important is that I enjoy building it. And I believe that if I enjoy building it, people will see that and enjoy watching it more. So I have in the past looked at uh, trends and or other videos that perform well, like I made the, the hacksaw with the drill. Mm. Because I saw some other videos and they performed well. So I was like, mm, I can make that. And I made it and I was not really happy with it because it's, I like to design things that are properly engineered. Yeah. Whether they have a use or not, I like to design them that are properly engineered. And this is just like, well, mm. it's just one of those hack videos basically. And, but it performed well. So it paid off to, to look at the trends. So it, it does pay off, but realistically, like you're selling your soul, right? Because <laughs> if you yeah, don't, I didn't, uh, yeah, you didn't it's enjoy. Not a video it. I'm proud of. No, exactly right. Yeah. So yeah, from then on, I and if I realize that something works, so like I make the solenoid engine, the first one, which are beautiful, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. And they are fun to make as well. And and a challenge. But I made the first one and my audience liked it a lot and wanted to see a, a V4 version. Yeah. Well, so I made the V4. I enjoyed it. They enjoy it. And that one performed even better. So I, I do it in that way, but I don't really look at the trends that are going on. And I think that says something too about now I've seen that you've now changed your language back to Dutch, your mother tongue which I think is really interesting because most YouTubers who have a global audience only speak English because you get a bigger audience. And I was wondering if you could go into why you went back to Dutch. Yeah, I started my, my videos in English because I could get a bigger audience with that same mindset. And um, yeah, that worked out. I got some, well, my Oreo dispenser went viral and well, my audience grew and but as the audience grew i realized that having a nice big audience is nice but you get used to the number as quick as you get the number mm. then i realized well the subscribers are i like that a lot of people watch my videos but do i enjoy it this way and i realized that there was some layer between uh, what i was thinking and what i was saying and that was because of the language difference. So I thought, hmm, maybe if I go switch to Dutch, I don't have this layer, I can be more spontaneous. But the, yeah, the backside is that I have a large, uh, less big audience, probably people will leave and, and it was a hard decision, but I uh, filmed a video just to try it out. It was the V8 solenoid engine. Mm -hmm. And yeah, during that video, during the filming phase, I instantly realized that things were just so much easier and more enjoyable for me. And yeah, that it was just, I had more fun building it and filming it. And so I was like, okay, I think it's worth it for me to switch back to Dutch and probably lose some of the English subscribers, which, which I understand that they don't all like it. So yeah, that was a tough decision, but the fun I gained with, with the builds is was totally worth it for me. And what what do you hope to achieve also by going back to Dutch? I mean, 
the fact is you got 17 million is it in in the netherlands yeah yeah total people you know yes. and realistically that's quite small you know but going to dutch i can't imagine there's so many dutch makers that are so well known such as yourself so talk talk to me a little bit about that yeah well when i got introduced to the maker community i really liked it and at maker central there were a lot of uh, like-minded people who also make stuff and you can talk about with with them about stuff and oh, at maker central was in the uk and i noticed that in the uk this community is quite strong a lot of people make stuff they live close to each other so they go make stuff together which i think is, is awesome and then in the united states i saw the same thing that well, there are a lot of people and a lot of people live relatively close to each other mm. but in the netherlands it's it's yeah it's way smaller and there's only yeah like four or five known youtubers that make stuff in the netherlands and i think that's that's sad we need a, a bigger maker community here in the netherlands so that was also one of the reasons that i decided to make the switch to yeah to encourage people in dutch to make things and to share it and to to create a community together i want to give you kudos for that because i think that's a really great thing uh, you know, we were just talking before because I, I think going hard in your own country with your own tongue. So, you, you know, you feel more, spon you get more joy making videos. You are more like spontaneous. You're more yourself in your videos. You get to grow in a country that has very limited like exposure to you. So you basically be the, you become the person doing what you're doing. Um, and you get to build your own community around you, which is really awesome. Um, and you get to inspire a lot of people in your own country. Um, and then you, the, what I see is interesting is you get now, once you become the person in your country that does that thing, you know, the maker or whatever you want to call it, um, people come to you. And yeah. that's where that's where you can eventually switch over to make a living from it. You know, companies will say, "Hey, uh, we love this project that you were doing. Do you think you could make us this, or we'll sponsor you if you make something like this, or blah blah blah?" And it, because they're a local company, you've got a local audience, or majority of your audience is now local because you've built it up in the Netherlands. And I think it's really smart. I I think it's probably the smartest move if you're going to do it for a full-time sort of job yeah i think so too and yeah that's another thing if i noticed like for me a hundred thousand subscribers is a lot and then you're at WorkbenchCon, and like most people have a, a large following or a lot do you're definitely not the only one <laughs> yeah <laughs> and uh, brands know that too so that's yeah that's definitely a, a plus if you're in a country that has a non-English language. Yeah, because I think like tool companies in the Netherlands are looking for people like yourself. They just need a Dutch speaking guy to do it, you know? Um, and hey presto, 
you'll be that person when you build up that community and that network behind what you do. I think it's super smart move. I don't think I could do that here in Norway, like I said, because my, my, I'm more myself in English and because I'm Australian and, and, you know, if I was to try and do that in Norwegian, it'd be just the same as you doing it in English. So you can do a hefty Australian accent. <laughs> I can't, I can't do it in Australian. I don't think I've lost too much of it because I've been here for too long. So like everyone thinks I'm half American because of the way I talk. So hmm. yeah. And that's kind of insulting weirdly. <laughs> I don't like being like, Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, I'm not American. Like, no, no, but I just, I'm proud to be Australian, you know? So when people say, Oh, you're from America. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm Australian, you know? <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I really, I support the idea of changing to your native tongue. Um, and I think in the long term, you're going to win with that idea. I, I yeah. That's the best thing you could do. And I, I would also add too, like there are plenty of makers and people that are, do this and are still massive internationally because um, like there's a Polish guy called the positive couple. I don't know why he's called that, but um, he's, he's making stuff too, like weird and wacky stuff, but he has a massive international following and he never, he never speaks hardly and when he does it's in Polish. So, and he has a huge following. So I don't really think the language thing is a, is a big factor. I think the work needs to sp like speak for itself. And, yeah, well, and you, it depends on the format of your videos, of course. True. I also moved a bit to a little bit more vlog style, like built built with me, mm. which in which I speak more. So, if you don't speak the language, I can understand that's a bit, bit tough to get through from time to time. Mm. Have you um, thought of have you <laughs> have you thought about putting subtitles in? <laughs> I am putting subtitles in. Yes. Yeah, I the videos I've watched haven't had subtitles in them, but. Um, I always thought it would be fun just to write stupid things that so people in the right in the middle of it, the video, you can be like, what? He said, what? <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was good. But, uh, you know, I, I think subtitles is smart too, because it, it keeps your international audience closer to you. Um, yeah. Of course you can still be yourself. Uh, I think it's, yeah, it's a good idea. Well, yeah, that was one of the tough things because I have a large international following and a small Dutch following at the moment. It's changing a bit, but, um, well, the people that were my early subscribers and that have supported me all those time, well, I'm now changing the language and not everybody likes it. And I don't like the fact that not everybody likes it because I want to make content for, for them too. But yeah, I think that's just the, the thing that comes with it. Have you thought about doing like a little intro in English, for example, and then saying, now I'm going to change over to Dutch and, you know, enjoy basically. Uh, in every video you mean? Yeah. Or like just to, to talk to your English audience. So they know you're still, you're still not, you're still <laughs> thinking about them, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I explained it in the first video that I did why I made the change. Yeah. And uh, I, I had the subtitles now. But I decided to don't do things halfway and just, yeah, make the full switch to Dutch. 
Quick question about the subtitles. Are you doing them yourself? I you... used to. Yeah. No, my sister does them. Oh, you're so lucky. They, <laughs> they, they, I, I hate doing subtitles. It's huge amount of work, massive amount of work. Well, if you're starting language like yours, it's English. Um, like I had before, I used to ref.com and you pay like a couple of euros per minute. Mm. So if you make long videos, it adds up quick. But if you make short videos, it's definitely worth it. And how, how cheap is that? Like how good is it actually? Like because I, for example, I use veed.io and yeah. that's pretty good, but it sometimes screws it up, especially when there's multiple people talking at the same time. It's, uh, it's not so great. Um, I have no idea. I used it to, to add Spanish subtitles because in the beginning I had a really large Spanish following. Interesting. And I didn't know that. I don't speak a word Spanish, so <laughs> I don't know if the subtitles were good. <laughs> it was probably telling them all heap of crap. You didn't know. They probably all well, they kept back. coming back, so <laughs> yeah, they probably... be either super funny or yeah. good. Yeah, I reckon. <laughs> I'm, I can only imagine the guy like he's like, Oh, I'm gonna screw this guy up so good. He's like <laughs> I'll mistranslate this every time and it'll just be hilarious. <laughs> um, I think we'll go into story time from here. Story time. She stared at the gown and thought, yes, this is something my husband would wear. Have you got a story to spin? Yeah, yeah, I do. Let's hear it. Well, it's, it's, it ties back to the umbrella backpack. I made that and... It didn't go viral, but a lot of people got to see it, which is interesting for a video that didn't get a lot of views. Mm. But I think on Instagram, it got some more. And I got contacted by a German TV company from Galileo, which is a quite famous series in Germany. Mm. Whether they could come and come to my shop, I film it. And that day I built basically a second improved version of the umbrella backpack was a slight improvement so i'd never made it to youtube uh, but i wanted to come with two people to my workshop which is uh, two by three meters and if <laughs> you take all the work surface from it it's basically like 80 centimeters by two and a half meters deep so it's very small and they came with two people and uh, well that was already interesting to to film that in my shop and to do but at the end of the day they wanted to have some nice shots from me wearing the backpack and getting the reactions from people. So we moved to the to the town center, which is very small here, to the to the shopping mall. And they wanted me to walk up to someone, then deploy the umbrella. <laughs> yeah. And then they would ask the people like, what do you think of this? And well, when they asked me like, oh, do you want to do this? I decided, uh, okay, I'm just going to say yes to everything. It's going to be awkward and we're going to do it. Yeah. And it was super awkward because you never walk up to someone, do something that should be nice or funny, and then ask them, so what do you think? But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, I had fun at the end. After a couple of times, you get used to it. And... Are the Dutch people like Norwegians? Because Norwegians are really like closed. Like you don't enter their personal space, neither do you approach them when they're doing something like that's like impolite. Uh, and that's why often like in the store, <coughs> excuse me, in the store, when you see them, 
Like you don't say hello to people. It's it's a weird like polite. It's opposite of like what most like English speaking countries are like. Um, which is yeah. I, is it the same in in the Netherlands? No, it's not like that. You well, especially if it's someone you vaguely know, like you live in the same street or something like that, you greet each other. And yeah, apart from that, you can also greet each other. If you do the same activity, if if you're both running, you pretend like you know each other, like we're both runners. And you say, oh, <laughs> yeah, stuff or, like that. Yeah, or or on a boat, you're like always wave to the boat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but um, what I thought was very interesting, and the camera guy told me that is that every city people have a different way of saying uh, that they don't want to be on camera. So in some uh, cities, people just yell at the cameraman if they walk up to the person. And, and well, in the Netherlands, people tend to say that they're busy. They're too polite to say no. So they say, oh, I'm busy. I don't have the time right now. But you can see with everything that they're not busy at all because then they just sit on a bench and smoke a cigarette or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But they're too polite to say no. And did you get anyone actually say anything? Or did people like just like shock me? Like, what is this weirdo coming up to me deploying his umbrella? <laughs> yeah, I think we spent about, I think something like an hour and we got like 10 people. It was not super busy and they wanted to have a certain number. Yeah. And most people just said like, yeah, it was nice. And then said whether they thought it would be useful or not. And we had one guy that just wouldn't stop talking. He, I think he rambled for like 10 minutes where he would use it and that it could be useful and that it was also a bit funny. And then he repeated it in different words. And, <laughs> and But since what amazed me is that since it was on a German TV show, it will be um, dubbed, I think. They talk over it in German. Yeah. And the guy told me like, oh, that's not a problem. We just stop it after one sentence. and when you dub it, you can just make the sentence sound as if that's the last sentence. Yeah. So it's basically censored, but. <laughs> well, I I just imagine all the, like how much work these guys put in to see all these like non results, I guess. It's a weird thing to do. Just like rock up and like, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Did you like kind of finish the day just going, why did I do that? That was so stupid. <laughs> uh, I was like, okay, yeah, it, it makes for a nice, uh, nice video, of course. If yeah. People see it and they're amazed or not amazed. So I, I would have, I would have, if you came up to me and popped that umbrella, I would have lost my mind. <laughs> so I would have been like, oh, that's the best thing ever. Because I was blown away when I was watching your video. I was like, what this? the sickest idea ever why why do people not have umbrellas on their backpacks like that everywhere like <laughs> because it's always it's very uh, it's very happy to deploy if you bump the backpack a little bit too hard it just goes <laughs> <laughs> you, you premature premature umbrella deployment uh yeah that was awkward <laughs> Um, I thought we'd go into Inspiration Nation. Yeah, yeah. Inspiration Nation. Uh, 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 uh. Um, this is where we get a chance to give a shout out to what I call the everyday creative heroes that inspire us. Have you got any uh, people that inspire you? 
Well, I think like a lot of people that build projects like I do, and uh, back in the days it used to be the Mythbusters that, well, they had some myth and they built some crazy contraption and they, uh, yeah, they solved the myth or they didn't. But right now it's uh, Tyler Bell. Uh, we, we think the same way hmm. uh, when we talk about projects and yeah, his projects are just awesome. I like how he reverse engineers uh, sayings like his recent, you can't put toothpaste back in the tube. He just took it as a challenge and made it happen. Yeah. I think that's awesome. Uh, Tyler, I, I had him on the show. I think he's a great guy. Like, and it's interesting too, cause like I met him at Maker Central and he's like, he seemed really, really shy. And, and I completely read him wrong. Like I, he was just sitting there and I was like, who's this kid? Like, you know, I called him a kid. Like, <laughs> and so I feel so bad, <laughs> but yeah, I was like, who is he? And like, you know, he seems a bit like quiet. And I tried to try to talk with him. He didn't really come with much. And then all of a sudden when we started talking about projects and like all of a sudden he just, it's like he came alive. He was talking about this at the time, the bottle opener that he was making. Mm-hmm. Well, he wasn't even making it. He was just idea. So that was really cool. And I just saw him come alive and that, that really gave my attention to him because I often love sitting down, throwing ideas together and, and making weird ideas happen. So, yeah, I think that's for a lot of makers that, well, some people are quiet from themselves. Some people are not, but when you're with makers together and you're just pitching ideas and talking about ideas, I think everybody, every maker gets enthusiastic and, and starts talking about stuff. Is there anything that Tyler does that you wish you could do? Well, his, his camera skills are something I'm, I'm jealous of. I'm usually a bit more run and gun. I place the camera. Maybe I, I tweak it a bit, but where I place the tripod, that's, that's the right spot. Yeah. And his shots are a bit more cinematic and look a bit more professional, in my opinion. You have a little bit of a challenge being that you're working in a tiny workshop. He's at least got a double garage, so. Yeah, but it's not an excuse. <laughs> it might be a challenge, but it's not an excuse. True that. Oh, excuse me. Oh, gosh. Um, all right, cool. Let's go into random question. Random question. Are you ready? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> uh, this one, I've now, so... If you haven't been listening to any of the other ones, the earlier ones or the latest ones, I should say, um, you know, the, the latest ones, I tried to tie the question a little bit into your country. So this one might, you might get it. I don't know, but you may not. So here we go. How many bridges are there over the canals in Amsterdam? How many bridges? Yeah. I don't know. It's a couple hundred probably. Hundred? That's not my answer. Are you going to have a crack? Are you going to give me a number? Well, uh, judging by your reaction, uh, <laughs> 83. 83? That's not a couple hundred, but you... Are you ready? Yeah. This, this is apparently the answer of your home city. 1,281 bridges. In, in Amsterdam alone? In Amsterdam alone. That's a lot of riches. <laughs> yeah, man. 
but I guess maybe they're they're talking about like the footway bridges and you know all the other small things that are going on there. So, well, oh, thinking back, eighty three is like ridiculously low. A couple <laughs> hundred should have been my answer, but I would have never guessed uh, a thousand plus. Uh, I'm learning something every day from my random questions. So that's a, that's something I'm gonna like take out. You know to every day sort of meet up. Oh, did you know how many bridges are in Amsterdam? <laughs> 1,281. <laughs> um, are you ready for Hack Attack? Yeah. This is Hack Attack. I will not apologize for this bad intro. Any um, cool tips or tricks you want to share with everyone? Well, the coolest trick that I once heard was Adam Savage say that you need to learn where you can take shortcuts and where you cannot. So when he builds stuff, he, the insight will be just as quick as possible and all the things that are structural or that you're going to see, they will be in, in nice detail. So on my recent build uh, for the bottle opener, I wanted to have an aluminum casing, mm. but I don't really have the tools to work with aluminum. Yeah. So what I did, I built this wooden base and then I bought thin aluminum from uh, half a millimeter thick. Mm. I cut it with the scissors and I just glued it on. So smart. Which I thought was a pretty cool hack. It looks like a solid metal box now, yep. but it's just wood with some aluminum on it. And it weighs like a, a solid metal box probably because of the weight of the wood, right? Yeah. yeah it does feel different. It probably weighs the same as the aluminum, but it feels different because it's it's thicker and hmm. but that but I that, that was a pretty cool hack. That yeah, and that operation box looks legit cool. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I think I need something like that on the sofa beer fridge, like a big lever and a button and a you know, that sort of stuff. I wouldn't necessarily recommend this beer opening mechanism for for moments where you're actually drinking beer. <laughs> Because even sober, it's scary. Because <laughs> I, I'm actually thinking like to I, I've got to make a remote for my, for my sofa beer fridge, and the idea is that the remote is also the bottle opener. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So like you push to order, or you can use your voice control. Like I have, I think to be honest, you get tired of like saying sofa beer me. You know, uh, every time <laughs> you want to. Sure. Every time you want to be, well, I reckon you will. So I, I built uh, some hardwired things in instead. So I've got a like a garage remote that I've now coupled to it. So every time you push that, it runs the sequence or it runs the script. So then, um, yeah. So I got to turn that into a uh, a bottle opener as well. So I, I kind of have this idea to pull it all in one, but I think that's going to be a problem. <laughs> I think people are going to get trigger happy on it, you know, pushing the button all the time. So, yeah, at least with this sofa beer me, um, you know, it'll it'll know what it, yeah, it knows when you're only saying it, you know. Whereas if you sit on it, sit on the remote, <laughs> it spits out of beer. It's, it's, now, the good thing with the voice command is when you had enough, the fridge will not recognize your voice anymore. Oh, I didn't even think about that. That is the best thing ever. Oh, that's going in the video. <laughs> it's your personal safety net. <laughs> it's so good. I've lost the remote. Now I'm the, 
Now I'm trying to order a beer. It doesn't want to give me one. So. No, you're too drunk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, that's awesome. Um, all right. Um, let's wrap it up. Anything uh, you want to leave the audience with? Any sort of philosophies or things you live by? Yeah, well, if you make things for fun, do everything you can to keep them fun. So don't put... Uh, yeah, if it's just for fun, don't put too much stress on yourself. Do the projects in a way that are fun for you and make the projects fun. Because okay. it would be a waste to, to not do that. I think that's what it's all about. In the, because the second you start looking at the numbers, the second you start creating things just to get views, for example, it, it loses its the reason why you started in the first place, right? Yeah. I think that's a, I think that's a really good way to look at it. Um, where can people find you? The most obvious channels are all on my YouTube channel, The Practical Engineer, and my Instagram, same name, and on uh, Facebook. I also have a, a page where awesome. you can find the content. Awesome. Um, I just want to say thanks for coming on the show, Emil. Um, it's been really, really nice to get to know you a little bit. Um, you know, it's actually nice to have a podcast on the same time zone because <laughs> I always, I always have to like calculate oh, how many hours it to to New York. Oh no, that's they're in LA. Oh, okay, oh, or oh they're in the UK. That's an hour behind. Okay, so it's really nice actually to have someone on the same time zone. So, thank you for being on the show. Thank you for sharing a bit of your journey and and your philosophy of making and. Uh, I want to wish you a lo good luck with everything else uh, that you're doing. Um, I also want to thank everyone for listening for this podcast. Uh, if you're not following Emil, uh, I suggest you go now and go check him out um, whilst you're on the phone and, and be sure to be, you know, telling a friend too about this podcast. It would mean the world to me and, and my guests. Um, if they can get a bigger podcast and, Big, get a bigger audience and get seen then that's what it's all about if you do want to be one of the cool kids uh you can join the ga nation that's the garage avenger nation for those guys who don't know uh you can do that by heading over to patreon um you know be sure to um go there you know you can hear all the podcasts early um and you can also hear the pre and post uh podcast chats that we do off the recording so that's something maybe uh some of you guys would enjoy this the guys that are listening are really enjoying that lately so please go check that out but if you cannot support me in that way then of course you can support me just as much by going around quoting all my dumb catchphrases like let's do this and i'll catch you on the flip side and then when people look confused you can unleash and tell them all about this podcast or you could just create a computer virus that plays this podcast and all its episodes on repeat until they subscribe and rate and review the podcast. Um, if you want to give me some feedback, send your DMs to at Garage Avenger on Instagram. Don't be shy, people. Uh, please go check out Emil, the practical engineer. Um, all the links are in the show notes. Be sure to follow him and, you know, until next time, keep pushing yourself, keep ballsing up things, keep learning, get inspired, and I'll catch you on the flip side. All right, we're out.
Haha, <laughs> you guys thought I wasn't going to leave a little message at the end here. How mistaken you were. Well, I need your feedback, guys. I need it to build a show that is great for you guys, but I also enjoy making. Uh, I need you to tell me what you like about the show, what you hate about the show, um, where I can improve, and so that we overall have a better show for you guys to listen to. Uh, I really appreciate your feedback. Send your DMs to at Garage Avenger on Instagram. I love you guys. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you on the flip side.